when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. Are listening to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SilverAndBlackToday.com. And now your host, Evan Grote. And let's go, Raider Nation. And welcome to the Week 10 preview episode of Just Pod Baby. Hard to believe it's Week 10 already. It really creeped up on us. The season's just flying by. We are now officially beginning the second half of the season. The Raiders are looking to keep things rolling to pick up their third straight win against their bitter rival, the Denver Broncos. Just Pod Baby is brought to you by Silver and Black Today. Check out the website, silverandblacktoday.com. It started it all three years ago. Make sure you're checking it out. We now have the website, the radio show with Scott and Q on Raider Nation Radio, and of course we got the podcast library. Lots of different ways for you to get all the content that we're putting out there for you. Also, you can follow Silver and Black Today on Twitter at SilverBlackToday. And while you're at it, if you don't already, give me a follow as well on Twitter at egroat 5 I also want to remind you that support for Just Pod Baby is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. I'm telling you right now, this is a great time to go out there and plant the seed with your girlfriend or with your wife. Christmas is just around the corner. This would make a great gift. I'm telling you also, it'll be a win-win situation for both you and her. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about here on that one. Uh, I can save you some money, so use the promo code PODBABY if you're looking to save 20% off plus free shipping. Just to give you a rundown of the plan for tonight, in segment one, we will uh, discuss the news and notes from the week. We did have some breaking news just before I came on and recorded, Uh, so I'll get that to you. We will also discuss the question, is Derek Carr playing the best football of his career? In segment two, we will take a look at the matchup with the Broncos, as well as the Thursday injury report, as I always do. Trayvon Mullen was back on the practice field, so that's a great sign for him. And we will chat with Broncos insider Troy Rink, who covers the team for ABC7 in Denver. But we start with breaking news tonight. Corey Littleton was placed on the COVID IR list, and we have not found out yet, again, at the time of this recording, we have not heard whether or not he tested positive or if he was just around someone else who did test positive. Uh, But either way, it does not look good for his chances to play this week. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just, I am so ready for this COVID to be over. Uh, It's just, I've had it. Uh, just kind of a personal story here. Uh, I, you guys know I'm a school teacher at, living in Western New York, and we're on the verge of being shut down again because of a uh, rising uh, positivity rate in my in my county. So, uh, just really disappointed that it's it's you know now beginning to affect me personally as well. And so, anyhow, back to the Raiders. Uh, just just a, a bummer for a guy Littleton who has struggled at to this point in the season, and he needs all the reps he can get. Paul Gunther talked about that today. He needs to be on the field. He needs to get as much practice time as he can because he he has spent his entire career with the Rams prior to coming to the to the Raiders, and he's been in one system his whole career, and now he's being asked to do some things that uh, he's not 
used to doing. And, and so he just needs more time and now he's going to lose some of that time. And, and so big disappointment, but I do think, um, they have uh, some guys that w- will fill in nicely for him in his absence. They The Raiders made the trade for Raekwon McMillan a few weeks ago. We've yet to see much from him, but I do think you're going to see a lot more out of him this week. It'll be a combination of him and Nicholas Morrow kind of splitting duties. I think most likely we'll see uh, a little bit more of Raekwon McMillan on early rundowns and, and in more obvious passing situations, we'll see more of uh, Nicholas Morrow. So uh, just continue to monitor, monitor that that situation with Littleton and uh, again if I if I have any more information on Littleton and his status I'll make sure I report that to you as as I'm recording here Uh, I also want to start the show off this week with some discussion on the quarterback Derek Carr Uh, there's no question he's playing at a very high level this year very, very happy with the way he's playing. He's led the team to five wins through eight games, and the offense is scoring points at a clip of uh, 27.3 a game. But the question I want to ask you guys is, is Derek Carr playing the best football of his career? What do you think? I think you can make the argument he is. Now, first, I, I, I want to say that this is just my opinion personally, and if you listen to me, if you follow me on Twitter, or if you have listened to the show for a long time, You may disagree with this, but over the years, I would say the last three years, two to three years, um, I think the issue with Carr has been, uh, there's a couple issues, okay? He has not been able to make the players around him better. And what I mean by that is when the situations around him weren't perfect, he, he, he wasn't able to get it done. Okay, maybe it's the left tackle being out. Maybe it's the center being out. Maybe it's a wide receiver or two being out. Okay, and you could say, well, those are big things. Those are injuries. Injuries will have a major effect on any player, and that may be true. But I've seen quarterbacks in the league who are able to overcome those things, and I just haven't been able to see that from Derek Carr in, in some of these previous years. Okay, one of the other things that um, I would say about Carr and not being to overcome things, weather, you know, cold weather games, rain, snow, wind. He would struggle in those games. Look at look at his record in uh, Arrowhead. Okay, I, I can think of multiple examples in my head over the last couple of seasons where things like this occurred and he just could not lead his team to victory. Now the other area that would often frustrate me with Carr is that very seldom he would look to extend plays and I, I could never understand it. He's an athletic guy. If you look around the league, you got guys like Mahomes and Rodgers and Wilson. Not only are they great throwers, but they move around the pocket. They buy themselves time, and they and they give their receivers an opportunity to to break routes off and make plays. Now that me, those three guys, they might be some of the best in the league. So maybe they aren't the best example. They're truly very, very special. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, especially, maybe one of the best we've ever seen at it. But again, Carr is an athletic guy. He has that ability. And I don't think he has used that part of his skill set enough in his career. Picking up first downs and extending plays can be huge for an offense. They can can extend drives. Ben Roethlisberger, he's another guy that just pops into my head. He's a guy who, he has a great ability to, to just buy himself some time. And he's not super athletic. But he just has that sixth sense. He has that pocket awareness. And that was something that I had 
been wanting to see Carr improve on. I also think it helps that Roethlisberger is so big. He's hard to bring down as well. So those were the two areas that I had been begging to see some improvement with Carr. And I think this year, at least in my opinion anyways, he has answered those questions. He's really shown growth in those areas. Now, thinking about this year, Carr has faced some situations that were less than ideal, and he's overcome them. His starting right tackle, Trent Brown, has been out all year, played one game. Left guard, incognito, he's played five quarters this season. Think about the situation last week. In Los Angeles, the O-line had three backups starting. Okay? Played through it. And he found a way to make some plays. He didn't have gaudy numbers by any means, but he made enough plays in big moments to lead the team to win, to a win. And that's that's what it's about. And there's also been some instances this year where the wide receivers were in and out of the lineup. Tyrell Williams was lost for the season, didn't play a snap all year long. They bring in two rookie receivers who won starting jobs out of training camp without an offseason. Missed all that time to develop that chemistry with Carr. But it doesn't matter. He's getting it done. He got it done without them. Without them in the lineup, he got it done. It didn't matter because he overcame it. He put the team on his shoulders and he, and he led them to victory. Now, when it comes to um, elevating his teammates, elevating the play of people around him, I think he has done that. Take a look at Nelson Aguilar, for example. You could say that maybe they've helped each other out. I think they have. I think Aguilar has has helped Carr just as much as Carr has helped Aguilar. But you can't deny the, the, the numbers that Aguilar is putting up. He was a forgotten man in Philadelphia. They let him walk. Go ahead and see if anybody else will offer you a better deal in free agency. They didn't want him anymore. Former first-round pick. Just go ahead. All I heard about was drops with him. Guy drops too many balls. He's rejuvenated his career in Las Vegas, and I think Carr deserves some credit for that. They, they have an obvious chemistry, and after Darren Waller, and you could probably say Renfro as well, Nelly is right there as far as who, who Carr trusts. He obviously has a trust with him. Now, as far as extending plays, think back to the, just the, two, the past two weeks alone, what he's been able to do with his legs. The big third down play last week to Hunter Renfro, the one for 53 yards. That's exactly the type of play that has been lacking from Carr, in my opinion. Those are the plays that, throughout the course of a game, they're huge. Huge. How about the run? After he, he extended the play to, to the big play to Renfro, a couple plays later, he runs. They're inside the red zone. He runs up the middle, leaps over the tackler. I mean, he's just playing so much looser this year. Less thinking. Just playing the game. Looks like he's having more fun, to be honest. And an obvious reason for that is being in the system for a third year. That's that's obvious. Go back to the Cleveland game. The conditions. Terrible. Cold temperatures. 35 degrees. uh, 35 mile an hour winds. Rain. Snow. On the road, no less. Bad conditions on the road. It doesn't get any more difficult than that. Against a good team. I was there. I know how bad these conditions were. And again, got it done. Got it done. Didn't put up huge numbers, but he managed the game. He put the team in good situations. And he used his legs, 41 yards on the ground. So he's he's doing it in other ways. And they may seem like small things, 
but they make a big difference in the outcome of a game. So he's continuing to check off boxes for me. Uh, another one, he won an Arrowhead this year, and yes, it wasn't cold weather, but you know what? That was that place was a house of horrors for him over the years, uh, and so he, that's another box that he's checked off for me. When you look at the improvements that were made in some of these areas that I just outlined for you, and you combine that with some of the numbers that he's putting up, it, it's it's hard to argue he is not playing the best ball of his career. Now, speaking of some of those numbers. Right now, he has 2,002 passing yards, so just over 2,000. He has 16 touchdowns and two interceptions. He's completing 68, excuse me, 69.8% of his passes with a passer rating of 110. Not too shabby, right? I mean, that, those are pretty, pretty solid numbers. Now, if you want to double those numbers to kind of give yourself a projection for the remainder of the year, go ahead and do that. That's just over 4,000 yards. 32 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. Now, I want to pull up his stats from 2016. Now, many of us consider that to be his best statistical year of his career. So I got it up here. Uh, 3,987 yards, 64% of his passes he completed, 32 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions with a passer rating of 91. So yeah, he is on pace to extend those numbers. A lot could happen. Maybe he won't reach them. But he's on track right now. He's positioned himself to do so. So I just wanted to make sure that I put that out there because, you know, I'm a guy that I, I like to think that I'm objective when it comes to my evaluation of the team and the players. And you guys know, if you've been a loyal listener over the, the years and you follow me on Twitter, you know that I've had my questions about Carr. But as far as my evaluation is concerned, this year he's getting it done. And that's despite having a defense that allows 29 points a game. I mean, they've been terrible. To, I mean, to put it kindly, they've been bad. They don't generate a pass rush, only nine sacks on the year. I don't know where that ranks them, but I'm sure it's in the bottom five of the league. They don't force turnovers, only five total turnovers. It's dead last in the league. So considering all of those things, you have to commend the job that Derek Carr is doing to hold this thing together. And, and, and the thing that matters above all, more than any of these personal statistics for him, that's great, but the team is winning. And I have always said, and you may disagree, that the most important thing for a quarterback is the win-loss record. Many people want to disagree with me. They say quarter, uh, wins and losses are not a quarterback stat. I disagree. I think they quarter the quarterback and the coach have the biggest impact on the game. So I, I like to think the quarterback should be judged somewhat on wins and losses, and his team is winning. They've got a winning record at 5-3, and three, and they're currently in the mix for the playoffs. So great job, Derek Carr. I just wanted to put that out there. All right, we're going to get to our first break, and when I return, we'll take a look at the Thursday injury report. We'll talk a little bit about the, the, the matchup with the Denver Broncos, and you will hear my interview with Troy Rink. Coming right back. All right, and we're back here on Just Pod Baby, the Week 10 Preview Edition. 
what I want to do here is we'll take a look at the injury report first, and then we will. I'll get to some of my thoughts on the matchup with the Broncos before we we get to the interview with Troy Rink. Um, so I do have the report here in front of me, and I'm taking a look at. Uh, we'll start with the Broncos side of things. Um, nothing really alarming. Um, tackle Demar Dotson. He's injured with a, a groin and a hand injury. He did not practice at all this week. Um, Jerry Judy, he was listed on the report Wednesday with a shoulder, but he practiced limited on on Thursday. So I expect him to play. Justin Simmons, uh, he was listed on the report as not injury-related, but he was a full go today. A.J. Boulier, who had a concussion last week, uh, limited on Wednesday, full go on Thursday. He'll play Bryce Callahan. I know he missed the game last week, and he's been one of their better corners. He's listed as uh, with an ankle, limited both days, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, inside linebacker Joseph Jones with a calf, limited Wednesday. Did not participate on Thursday, so that's not a good sign. Um, Tim Patrick, who's their second leading receiver with a hamstring, limited both Wednesday and Thursday. Tackle Jake Rogers, shoulder, limited Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday. That could be an issue for him. Uh, a guard, Austin Schultman, ribs, limited Wednesday, full goal on Thursday. So it looks like everything's pretty much... Uh, in good shape for the Broncos. Now we, we look at the Raiders report and the big ones that we are going to keep our eye on this week was Colton Miller. I talked about that on the Monday uh, recap edition. Uh, he did not practice at all this week. So it does not look like uh, he will practice uh, or he will play this week. So it looks like we'll have that same lineup of Sam Young at right tackle and uh, uh, Brandon Parker at left tackle. So uh, keep an eye on him, though. He's still not completely ruled out. Maurice Hurst, who was injured during the Cleveland game with that high ankle sprain, did not practice at all this week, does not look good for him either. And uh, a couple other names I want to highlight for you. Elk Ingold, who broke some ribs. He's He limited both days. He's That guy's tough as nails. He'll probably play this week, believe it or not. That's... He'll be wearing some sort of flak jacket, I'm sure. Arden Key, who has missed the last couple of games with a foot, limited on both Wednesday and Thursday. So that's a good sign for him. Uh, So, yeah, all things uh, looking up. Oh, the big one. How could I forget this? Uh, Trayvon Mullen, who left the game last week with a hamstring injury, uh, did not participate in practice on Wednesday, but was limited on Thursday, so it. I'm assuming if he can get in another limited practice on Friday, they then most likely he's trending towards playing. But I'm sure he'll end up being a game time decision. Other than that, nothing to be really concerned about. John Abrams, he was limited on Wednesday and Thursday with a groin, but he'll play. Um, Brian Edwards, who was activated last week but didn't really play at all, he was full goal both days. So, uh, other than Hurst, Mullen, and Colton Miller. Things are looking pretty good. Mullen should play, though, with his limited label on Thursday. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about this matchup with the Broncos. And, you know, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of uh, schematic things here or, or 
key matchups, anything like that, we'll we'll do we'll discuss that with Troy when he comes on in just a minute. But I, what I want to say is this: sometimes when you're going into a game with a team like the Broncos, who have struggled, okay, they're three and five. They've had some struggles. They've lost some close games, and the Raiders have a big game next week. They, so they they could be looking ahead. I hope that's not the case. But with a team like Denver, much like last week with the Chargers. They've been in some close games, and things could vary. If things had gone differently for them, maybe they're they're talking about a you know uh, a record different a different record. Maybe not three and five. Maybe uh, maybe four and four. Something along those lines. Okay. Um, they've shown the ability to score some points, but they they just haven't been able to be consistent enough to win some of these games. And and the injuries have really killed them. They've they've had more injuries than just about anybody. Um. But they're fighting to keep their season alive. And and so sometimes when you have a young team like they have with a young quarterback and some young skill guys, they're they're not aware. You know, they they're just gonna go out there and play hard. And that concerns me because this is a game that the Raiders absolutely should win. There's no doubt about it. The Raiders are a better team. They're a healthier team, they've got the better quarterback, they've got the better coach. And they're playing better football right now, so they they should win this game. But sometimes you get in these situations, and whether it's the Raiders overlook them, uh, they they're looking ahead to the Chiefs game, and then you factor that in with the fact that the the, the Broncos might just come out and play some really really inspired football as they look to try to turn their season around. That that could spell a a, a disaster or a letdown here for the Raiders. So that those are some of my concerns about the matchup. And again, with these division games, like I talked about last week with the Chargers, you can throw records out the window because they don't matter in these in these bitter rivalry games against division opponents. So that's my two cents on the matchup with the Broncos. But let's go ahead now and bring Troy Rankin. All right, let's bring in our guest for this week. Joining me tonight is Broncos insider Troy Rink, who covers the team for ABC7 in Denver. Troy, thanks for the time. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. All right, well, there's a lot to get into tonight, uh, Troy. It's been an up-and-down year for the Broncos, but let's start with, with some of these injuries. I know that there's been a lot of players in and out of the lineup for them. How much have the injuries factored into the 3-5 and five record for the Broncos? Well, I mean, if they were healthy, they were looking to go nine and seven and make the playoffs. And they just, they're not good enough to overcome the loss of Cortland Sutton, Von Miller, Jarrell Casey, Mike Purcell. I mean, those are some of their best players. Now Shelby Harris gone. They're just not good enough to overcome that. They've got some promising young players, but you just can't overcome injuries to guys like that. Yeah, I want to move on to the quarterback now, Drew Locke. Uh, still very early on in his career, only 11 starts under his belt. Uh, he did lead them to a 4-1 four and, four and finish uh, to the end of the 2019 season, including a win over the Raiders. This year, he's 2-4 and four and 6 starts. Uh, and I was, I was doing some reading today. It sounds like there's, there's quietly some whispers going on around the Denver uh, team, I guess you could say, about whether or not, you know, is he the guy going forward? And as I said, it's still very early on, but what can you tell us about how Locke is progressing uh, thus far? Yeah, it hasn't gone as they'd hoped. Uh, you'd hope for linear growth. As you mentioned, 4-1 last year, huge road win over Houston, one of the best road victories for a rookie quarterback in franchise history in terms of his performance. 
And this year, I mean, it's not an excuse, it's a reason. No OTAs, no preseason, and a new offense. I and mean, I think in hindsight, they probably should have stayed with Rich Gangarello for a second year uh, as offensive coordinator, but he is a first-time play caller. He and Vic Fangio just they didn't have a relationship. Fangio wanted someone more experienced, basically, so he could focus more on his defense. And Pat Shermer's got a track record. It's just they're trying to <clears throat> combine more deep strikes, more vertical attack, and I think it will work at some point. I mean, I'd say that, but the fact is they're trying to kind of make Drew great when he hasn't been good yet consistently. And the risk-reward of this offense, he's taking more chances. His completion percentage has dipped from 64% to a league-worst 56 That's the concerning part. But then you see the parts where – you know, he's still authentic. He still inspires confidence in his teammates. He's a leader. And the two fourth quarters the past two weeks, he's responsible for six touchdowns, five passing, one rushing. But that was in up-tempo when they were trailing by 21 points or 17 points. So, you know, the whispers are, you know, it, they were committed to him entering the season. But now, based on how he's played, and again, he had an injury too that didn't help, strained his right rotor, rotator cuff the second game of the season and then missed a few weeks. So that didn't help. But now this second half of the season is essentially an audition for him to show he's the guy. They still believe he can be the guy, but he's got to improve his pre and post snap reads. He's got to stop drifting in the pocket. Just things you see from a young quarterback, as you mentioned, he's only made 11 starts, but it's just a little concerning that some of the mistakes we're seeing, we didn't see last year. And some of it's the new offense, some of it's the new personnel, but Drew will be the first to tell you no excuses. It's just It just hasn't clicked yet, and they are one of the worst teams in football in the first quarter, if not the first half, and it's really putting them behind the eight ball where they have to throw too much and you know, in third and long consistently. So it's put Drew in a tough position, but I still think the kid can pull it off, but these next eight games are important. He's got to play well. He's got to play better, frankly. Denver Broncos insider Troy Rink joins us on Just Pod Baby. Now, you touched about some of the, the new personnel as well as the new offensive coordinator. When I look at this Broncos offense, I see a lot of young players, especially at the wide receiver position and just in the skill position player overall for the, for them. Uh, they've got rookies, uh, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Uh, and as you mentioned, Cortland Sutton was hurt. And I think it's it's fair to say that he was probably going to be the, the top target for Locke this year. So how much uh, do you attribute to, to some of these incomplete consistencies that they've had on offense to just being really young on that side of the ball? Well, that's part of it. I mean, they needed those reps. I mean, Pat Shermer said they'd probably missed 1,200 reps to 1,400 reps with no preseason and OTAs. And it shows up at times. Good teams with veteran players who have been in the same offense, it's much easier for them to miss a practice or have the disruption of COVID and, you know, go to virtual Zoom meetings. This group needs more reps. And so that is part of it. Again, that's not an excuse. That's a reason. And, but they are more talented offensively, for sure. Jerry Judy's lived up to the billing. Uh, he's on pace to you know, break the rookie record for receiving yards for the Broncos. He won't break the reception record, but he's on pace for you know, right around 70 catches and 1,000 yards and four or five touchdowns. I mean, that's a wonderful contribution by a rookie. They miss Cortland Sutton. He was arguably their best player last year. He was certainly their best offensive player. So if you see him come back next year with Judy, that's intriguing. Noah Fant's had a good year at tight end. K.J. Hamler, when he's been healthy, he's been explosive. They're more dynamic. The problem is they're just not a balanced team consistently. Philip Lindsay, in limited time because of a foot injury, has been great. He's sixth in the league in yards per carry. Melvin Gordon's just been okay. 
He hasn't wowed them. You know, he's just, you know, on a good team, I think Gordon might be better the way he could complement it, but it just hasn't really fit with he and uh, Lindsay. Lindsay does well, then he gets out of rhythm, and then Gordon comes in, and Gordon really at this point for me should just be the third down back, be the receiving back out of the backfield is what I would do with him. But you're right, they are young. They're young on the line. Lloyd Cushenberry at center has struggled at times. Uh, Dalton Reisner at left guard's good. He's only in his second year. The one bright spot has been Garrett Bowles in a contract year has played well finally after three years where he led the league in penalties. Uh, but they are young. It's just the problem with Broncos country. They haven't had three straight losing seasons since 1970 to 72. And now they're looking at a four straight losing season, a fifth year without the playoffs. It's just been jarring. Uh, they're not used to this. And, you know, they're just calls where they need a new coordinator. And it's going to have a new coach. And you guys have gone through this with the Raiders. If you have, just constant, uh, basically a revolving door of coaches and coordinators and quarterbacks, it's hard to be good. And that's something they've dealt with since Peyton Manning retired. Locks the ninth start. They've had nine starting quarterbacks since Peyton Manning retired. Five offensive coordinators in five years, three head coaches. And until they get some stability at those positions, it's hard for them to win. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a lot of turnover. Uh, one of the other areas uh, with the offense where they've struggled is, is turning the ball over. 16 giveaways, that's uh, uh, third most in the league, and uh, 12 interceptions, 4 fumbles. That's not a recipe for winning football. Explain to us how the turnovers have impacted some of these games for them. Well, it destroyed them against the Chiefs. You know, Locke had a terrible pick six. Uh, Jeff Driscoll just lost his mind, and was operating on daylight savings time in the pocket against Tampa Bay and just taking sack after sack and turning the ball over. And Brett Rippon beat the Jets, but he had three picks in that game. The turnovers for Locke haven't been as big an issue. He had one against Kansas City and one last week against Atlanta. But it's not like he's not a turnover machine. But his aren't, has, haven't been as bad. It's just, you know, Gordon's had three big fumbles, and it's cost them touchdowns almost on every occasion. They're just – they operate with no margin for error. And so when they play clean offensively, then they've struggled defensively. If they played well defensively, they can't score. And then they seem to do those three things right, and then they get sabotaged by special teams. I mean, I've covered enough bad teams in professional sports the last 25 years. They find creative ways to lose. I mean, that's part of being bad. In this case, part of it, it's part of being young. But the turnovers have hurt and because, again, they just don't have any margin for error. It's not like their defense is leading in takeaways, and it's hard to lead in takeaways and do well in takeaways, frankly, when you're constantly trailing in games. As you saw last week with Matt Ryan, they get up 20-3 to three at half, and Ryan had 216 yards passing at half, and then he had like 60 yards passing in the second half. Teams stop taking chances. There's no reason to, and that's been an issue for the Broncos since Manning retired is slow starts to games, playing from behind, it takes their best players out of the game and their outside linebackers in pass rush, and it puts them behind the eight ball and makes them one-dimensional offensively. Yeah, now for many years, the Broncos, they were known you know, as a, as a defense-first team, especially with those no-fly zone teams uh, a few years ago. And there's been a lot of turnover since that time on the defense. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Von Miller is the only remaining player from those teams, and obviously he's out with the injury. But it's a it's a whole new look for this defense. They're led by a defensive-minded head coach and, and Vic Fangio. They give up 27 points a game right now. Could you talk to us a little bit about uh, where some of your biggest concerns lie with this defense heading into the matchup with the Raiders? Yeah, they only have three guys left from Super Bowl 50 
Brandon McManus, the kicker, Vaughn's not playing this year. He still has hope he'll come back from his dislocated ankle and the surgery that it required. And Sylvester Williams came back this year after several years away. So he's playing significant snaps along the D-line. So three players from that Super Bowl 50 team are still on the team, and only one of them is playing snaps, Sylvester Williams, uh, as a backup. But the, the concerns they have, are, you know, last week it was at corner because Bryce Callahan and A.J. Boye were out. Both those players should be back against the Raiders, which will help tremendously. They just have had trouble stopping the run without Jarrell Casey and Mike Purcell. Purcell was lost for Liz Frank surgery for the season a couple weeks ago. Jarrell Casey was lost three weeks ago. He played three games. Those were going to be their best run stuffers, so it's made them vulnerable against a team like the Raiders. I mean, they're going to really struggle to stop the run. And they have, frankly, since Purcell went out a couple of weeks ago. Their linebackers have played pretty well. Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, they're on both on pace from easily to exceed 100 tackles. Jewell's had a breakout season after they cut Todd Davis. But, you know, they don't have a great cover guy, an answer to Waller in coverage, at least not from the linebacking spot. So that's a concern. Their best player defensively is probably still Justin Simmons, who's on the franchise tag. It'll be interesting to see if they give him a long-term deal. But he's got he's on pace for 98 tackles and six interceptions. He leads the team with three. He's a playmaker still. Um, I love his game. And Kareem Jackson. So the strength of their defense is their safeties with Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons. And Bryce Callen has, has played at a Pro Bowl level at cornerback. But it, you know, he, if he's fine, he'll be back. He should play this week. But against the Raiders, the biggest issue I see for the Broncos is every team wants to stop the run first make a team one-dimensional, and that's going to be hard for the Broncos without Purcell, without Casey, and without Shelby Harris. Troy, uh, Troy Rink, everyone, great job there. Excellent breakdown of the Denver Broncos. Thank you so much for the, the great overview there of the Broncos, and, and I appreciate your time tonight, and I'd love to get you on again sometime down the road. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me on. All right, we're back just for some final thoughts here, and we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, great job there by Troy Rink, giving us a great overview of the Broncos. And a couple of things that stood out for me with uh, from my conversation with him when he was talking about the play of the linebackers, Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson. I've watched a little bit of tape on them this week in preparation for the, the game and for the podcast, and I walked away pretty impressed uh, with what I saw from those two guys. But as Troy pointed out, neither one of these guys are really great in coverage. And Troy thinks that Darren Waller could could pose a big matchup issue for them. And I know that I kind of predicted a, a Darren Waller game last week and it didn't happen, but perhaps this week is, you know, you'll get your Darren Waller game. And j- just one other thing uh, I was thinking, and it's not so much about this game, but when I was looking at the schedule going forward for the Raiders and kind of where they currently where they currently sit right now. And, and actually, it's something that I discussed uh, on Raider Nation Radio today with, with Scott and Q. I was talking about how things may look very good from a schedule standpoint for the Raiders the remainder of the way. But if you think back to last season, 2019, they were 6-4 and four through 11 games. And there's a very good possibility that that could be the same case again this year. They're currently five and three. They should win this week to get them to six and three. They play the Chiefs next week, which we know is going to be a very, very difficult game, especially because the Raiders already beat them once. So the chances of beating the Chiefs twice in the same season is is very, very slim. Okay, let's say they lose that game. 
they are sitting with the identical record at the identical point in the season that they were last year, six and four through eleven uh, through eleven weeks. The, the the biggest difference is the biggest concern, I guess I could say, that I have going into the second half of this season is can they finish? Okay, if you recall last year, it was a horrendous finish, losing five of the final six games to the year, finishing with a seven and a nine record. This year, the schedule looks good. They have games against the Broncos two times, another game with the Chargers, the Jets, the Falcons, who are playing a little bit better as of late, but still not a great team. So that's going to be a big uh, issue for me, a big concern for me going down the stretch. Can they finish? All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's edition of the preview episode of Just Pod Baby. Be sure to tune in next week on Tuesday morning when the recap edition is available for you. Until then, I'm your host, Evan Grote. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. And as always, just win, baby.